Turn your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. As you're turning there, a man, his wife, and his miserable, cranky mother-in-law are on a trip to the Holy Land. While there, the mother-in-law passed away. They were trying to scramble and make plans, and the man met with the undertaker. And the undertaker told him he has two choices, two options. He says, for $15,000, we can ship her back to the United States where you can bury her. Or for only $150, we can bury her right here in the Holy Land. The man thought long and hard, and he told the undertaker, he goes, well, he goes, I'm going to pay the $15,000 to have her shipped back to the United States. The undertaker was perplexed. He was baffled. He said, why in the world would you pay $15,000 to have your mother-in-law shipped back to the United States when we can bury her here in the Holy Land for only $150? The man said, well, about 2,000 years ago, there was some other guy that died, was put in a grave, and three days later, he rose from the dead. He goes, I'm not taking a chance with her. Mother-in-laws, amen. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, amen. It's a, it's a day that we celebrate life. Question is why? Why is Easter such a big deal? What is it about Jesus Christ that makes it so special? I want you to think about that this morning. According to a, a population study from the University of Pennsylvania, there have been over 100 billion people that have walked the face of this earth since the beginning of time. Over 100 billion. And out of those 100 billion people, only a small handful has left a lasting impression on this earth. And out of that small handful, there is only one that stands head and shoulders above all the rest. Who is that one? His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? More attention, more devotion, more adoration, also more criticism, more persecution, and more opposition has been given to Jesus than any other person who has ever walked this planet. His every word has been sifted, it has been analyzed and it has been scrutinized more than all the philosophers and scientists put together. It's been over 2,000 years since he's walked this planet, yet there is not one minute that goes by that someone is not thinking on him or reading his word. Not a minute that goes by. He lived the most simple and most meager of life. Yet his birth divides time. We look at history as B.C., before Christ. Today we live in A.D., Anno Domine, the year of our Lord. To completely explain Jesus is impossible. To ignore him is disastrous. To reject him is eternally fatal. 
We all need to understand who Jesus truly is. And to know him is to love him. To love him is to trust him. And to trust him is to be completely transformed by him. Amen? Jesus Christ. Let's look in Colossians chapter 1, skip down to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, we're talking about Christ here, for by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, which is the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, and I want you to pay close attention to this last word, he may have the preeminence. We're going to come back to that word, preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace Through the blood of his cross, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, the preeminent Christ. One thing I want us to understand is that Jesus does not seek prominence in our lives. He does not seek prominence. Jesus deserves, Jesus has earned preeminence. You say, preacher, what is preeminence? Preeminence simply means that he has first place in all areas of our life. That means that Jesus has superiority in every aspect, every single part of our life. That's preeminence. He's not seeking prominence. He has earned preeminence. Now let's consider why Jesus has earned this preeminence. First thing I want us to notice is that he reveals Almighty God to us. Go back to verse 15 says he is the image of the invisible God. We need to understand the Bible makes it very clear that God is spirit. That means God has no physical parts to him. He is 100% spirit. God is also completely holy and righteous. So think about that for a second. How could sinners like us in the flesh approach an invisible, holy, and righteous God? How is that even possible? The answer is, it's not. 
We could never approach an invisible, holy, and righteous God. So God came down to us. Amen? God solved that problem. He came down to us. Jesus is God come down in the flesh to us. The visible Christ, the visible Jesus makes the invisible God known. We could never reach God or even know God by way of reason, by way of religion, by way of rituals. We would fail every single time. It's only by the revelation of Jesus Christ unto us. Jesus has come down to reveal Almighty God to us. Now, I want to I point out another word here in verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Now, that word image, uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And that word image in the Greek is the same root word that we get the word icon. Anybody own an iPad? iPhone, tablet. If you own a smartphone, a tablet, a computer, then everybody, we all know what an icon is, right? It's those little symbols on your desktop. Now, the icon, we need to understand, what is the icon? That icon is a representation of the actual app. It's a representation of that app. And the word image here in the Greek literally means exact representation exact representation so jesus is the exact representation the express image of almighty god colossians 2 9 for in christ in jesus dwells all the fullness of the godhead what is the godhead when you hear that word godhead it's talking about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this verse says that in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Trinity in body, bodily, in the flesh. That means Jesus is fully God in the flesh. Amen? We need to understand that he is the exact representation of the invisible, holy, and righteous God. If you want to know God... Come to know Jesus Christ. Amen? Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. Jesus said, All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Who does Christ choose to reveal the Father to? Anyone who wants to know him. Amen? That's what we need to understand. Jesus' will, his desire, is to reveal the Father to anyone who wants to know him. Plain and simple. You want to know God? Come to Christ. The only way our finite selves, we are finite beings, the only way our finite selves can comprehend an infinite God is for him to reveal himself to us. Praise God that we don't have to guess. We don't have to speculate about who God is. Amen? 
He gave us his word, both the written word and Jesus Christ, the living word. The express image of God. He has already come down to reveal himself. Now, Christians are constantly coming under fire and accused of being narrow-minded. Amen? Now, you're narrow-minded about Christ, especially when we make it very clear that Jesus is the only way to heaven. The world will tell us we're narrow-minded for thinking that way. Bottom line is this. When it comes to truth, there is only one correct answer. Amen? Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to call that narrow-minded, that's just truth. One plus one is always what? Two. Is that narrow-minded? That every time you add one plus one, you get two. That's just truth. Amen? And when it comes to truth, that can be narrow-minded. I don't know about you, but I personally always want to be narrow-minded when it comes to truth. For instance, I want my doctor to be very narrow-minded when he diagnoses my ailments or my sickness. Amen? I want him to be narrow-minded when he writes out a prescription to make sure it's only and exactly what I need. I also want my banker to be narrow-minded. When I give him my paycheck, I want to make sure he's narrow-minded and only puts it in my account. Amen? Y'all with me? Certain things, truth, we need to be narrow-minded. Think about this. When it comes to dealing with our eternal destiny, when it comes to deal with eternity, don't you think we ought to be narrow-minded about truth? Amen? We better nail this one down. We don't get a second chance. Jesus made it very clear. He declared, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes unto God the Father except through me. That's not narrow-minded. That is simply truth, just like one plus one is always two. Amen? Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 1. God, who at various times... And in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. God sent prophets and today sends pastors and preachers. He has in these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Christ made the world, who being the brightness of his glory... And the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What is God telling us here? Let me, let me sum it up. 
God came down to us, took on human flesh, and Jesus is his express image, his exact representation, his icon. Amen? Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Now let's go back to our original text in Colossians 1. I want to look at verse 15 again. So in verse 15, we looked at that word image, which means icon, exact representation. He, Jesus is the image icon of the invisible God. And it also says that he is the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn. Now, first and foremost, I want us to understand that firstborn does not refer to beginning, nor does it even refer to birth. Jesus did not come into existence in Bethlehem. Amen? In fact, there was never a time that Jesus was not. Jesus is the great I am. He is the ever-existent one without beginning and without ending. What does firstborn mean then? Firstborn means honor or privilege. In the uh, Bible times, when, when you spoke of the firstborn, you were speaking of their honor and their privilege as the firstborn. We see this in Psalm 89, verse 27. God said, also, I will make him, Christ, my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. It's talking about his exalted position, that exalted position that we see in verse 17 in Colossians. And he is before all things. What does that mean? He is before all things. That means he has preeminence. That means he has that honor and that privilege. Jesus could not be created. Why? Because he's the very one that created all things. Verse 16 spells this out very clearly. For by him, by Christ, all things were created. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that all means. Amen? He created all things. If you want to know about the invisible God, to know his heart, to know his unconditional love, you just come unto Christ and get to know him. Amen? And that is Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. I'm not for religion, and neither is God. Religion is man's attempt to reach God on his own, and it fails every time. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to get to know the invisible God, come to Christ and get to know him. That's Christianity. So why else has Jesus earned preeminence? Well, because he also holds our past, our present, and our future in his hands. Verse 16 again. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power. Listen to this. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is the almighty creator of all things. Amen? He is the power of creation. That tiny babe of Bethlehem is the same almighty God of creation. It's the same exact person. All things were created by him, 
through him and for him. That leaves absolutely zero room for evolution, does it? None whatsoever. Listen, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in creation. Just plain and simple. Darwin himself, at the end of his life, he even admitted that he was completely wrong with his theory of evolution. That's all it was, was a theory. And at the end of his life, he even said, I was not even close. If you ever get the chance, read uh, the book called Darwin's Black Box. It sheds a lot of truth on that subject. But anyhow, if you take any living organism, you strip it all the way down to one single cell, and what are you going to find? You're going to find its DNA. One thing we know about DNA, scientists and science, there's not one scientist that would dispute this fact. Science tells us that DNA has both order and structure. Amen? DNA has both order and structure. And whenever something has order and structure, then that means it has to have a what? A designer. Amen? DNA has both order and structure, therefore it's telling us that it has to have a designer. It is far from random. It has a designer, and that designer is Jesus Christ, the almighty creator. He is the power of creation. He is also the preserver of creation. Jesus is the glue of the galaxies, amen? He's the one holding it all together. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. Listen to what the Bible says about Christ. It says, lift up your eyes on high. He's talking about at nighttime. And see who has created these things, who brings out their host or the stars by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, and not one is missing. It's not a coincidence. It didn't happen by chance that the earth is tilted at the precise angle to the sun to support life. Amen? To support life. The exact angle, the exact perfect spot. If you move the earth one fraction of a degree, one way or the other, we're either going to freeze to death or we're going to burn up. That's how precise this earth is created. And it was designed that way by Jesus himself, and he is the one keeping it in place. He is the one holding all things together. Anyone ever heard of the protein called laminin? Going back to science class? All right, y'all hated science, didn't you? Anyhow, laminin is what's called a, a, a cell adhesion molecule. In simple terms, laminin holds our body cells together. Laminin is that protein that holds our body cells together. Now, I want you to notice its shape. You see its shape? It's shaped exactly like what? Cross. I don't believe in coincidences, amen? Especially when I know who the creator is. It's a cross. But there's also another cross that's even more important. And the one who gave his very life upon it. 
is the one that can keep your life together here and can also give you eternal life on the other side. Amen. His name is Jesus Christ. Not only is he the preserver of creation, he's also the purpose of creation. Go back to verse 16. It says, all things were created by him and for him. Through him and what? For him. He is the purpose of of creation. Now that word for is a preposition. Preposition that means moving towards. Time is what? Time is linear. Means it's on a straight line. Time doesn't deviate. You know, we don't have 26 hours some days and 22 hours others. Time is completely linear. It is on an exact straight line. And we need to understand it's moving toward Jesus Christ. Amen. People ask, I hear it all the time, what is this world coming to? Well, the answer is simple. This world is coming to Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. One day we will all stand before Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, tells us, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There's that three-letter word, all again. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that all means. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible is telling us that history, again, time is linear. History has a date with deity, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Last thing I want us to see this morning is why else does Jesus deserve preeminence? Because he reconciles sinners, you and me. Amen? Look at verse 19 and 20 and 21, back in our original text. For it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind because of wicked works, yet now... He has reconciled. Jesus and Jesus alone reconciles us, you and I, sinners, to holy God. How? Right here in verse 20. It says, by him, through the blood of his cross. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's reconciliation. Our sins separate us from that holy and righteous God. There's no peace there. But because of Christ, we are now reconciled. He's the one who took our place on Calvary's cross. The very one who placed every star in the sky, who created every single universe, he was the one who took our place on Calvary's cross. The one who was perfect and completely sinless became sin for us. And he nailed our sins to that old rugged cross. He paid our sin debt. Why? To reconcile us. 
We had a wedge between us. We had a great gulf that was fixed because of our sins. It wasn't the Roman soldiers that put Christ on the cross. It was my sins and it was your sins. And it wasn't the nails in his hands and feet that kept him there. It was his unconditional love. The Bible tells us in the, in the crucifixion account that there were thousands, tens of thousands of angels just poised and ready to wipe out mankind if Jesus would have just given the word. But he didn't. Because he knew that he was our only hope. It wasn't those spikes that held him on the cross. It was his love for us. Our sins separate us from holy God, but praise God, Jesus came to reconcile us back to him. Jesus died for us. And you think, you know, you look at history. There's been many noble and heroic men that have laid down their lives for others, hasn't there? Our brave men and women, soldiers. We've lost hundreds of thousands of them in battle because they put their lives on the line for you and me to protect our freedoms. So there's been many noble heroes that have laid down their life for others. But only Jesus has an empty tomb to show for it. Amen. Only he has risen from the dead. Only he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. They had no dominion over him. They had no power to restrain him. And that's exactly why we are here today to celebrate our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And because he lives, we can live also. We no longer mourn at Jesus Christ nailed on the cross. Why? Because we rejoice and we celebrate that empty tomb. Give him praise this morning.